Welcome to The Storytellers, the radio show and podcast that features those who choose to leave their mark on the world through the art of story. I'm your host, Grace Salmon. I look forward to our time together today. Now, let's meet our storyteller. Renee Winchester is an award-winning, internationally released book sensation. She is a workshop leader and a botanicalist, and we have so much to talk about. Renee, thank you for coming to the Storyteller's Microphone. Thank you so much, Grace, for having me. Hello, everyone. I'm so excited to have you because you write about something I find is a passion of mine, both in real life and in fiction. You like to see the people who are unseen, if you will. Would you talk about that? I do see the unseen people, and I do believe that they come to me. Uh, Sometimes that is a, a blessing, and sometimes it is a burden, and I use the word burden because when they come to me, it I am burdened in my heart to tell their story. I do believe we are all here on this earth for a purpose. And a lot of times we just feel unseen or unheard. And, and so those people, when they come to me, I'm, I'm definitely uh, urged to tell their story. And I think that's so important for all of us to be seen, to be heard, to be listened to, and maybe never more so than today. But you like to tell those stories, but those characters are very real. You can tell from um, things that I've read about you and listened to you, those characters get very under your skin, don't they? They they do. Uh, They kind of talk to me. (laughs) You know, you have to be a writer to understand that. You know, they talk to you and people think you're crazy, but, you know, and sometimes they come um, like the story I'm working on right now. I'm very intimidated by it, whereas with Outbound Train, I felt very comfortable because that's my hometown. So I know it. I know the cadence. I know what we say. Uh, You know, Appalachia is different than Southern writing, which is what I have primarily been doing before in my career. So that was the opportunity for me to to show people a window into my hometown, which was a very big blessing. I loved that in Outbound Train, which is award-winning. We'll talk about where it's going from here. But I liked that not only were your characters so rich, but you highlighted a place, Appalachia, where not everybody has gone, and you give it the sense of place. How important is place in all your writing? Place is everything to me. Authenticity is is very important to me because the women in my family did not have it easy. My aunt had six children, all girls, God bless her. And, and she raised those daughters essentially by herself with some assistance from my mother. And so to be true to who she was, because she's not the only person doing that in the 70s or now. <laughs> and so to be true to that person and that place was everything to me because I want readers to trust me. I want them to trust me to lead them down a path that is true to me. And you do. And I, I love the idea without bound train of going back to, it seems to me, at least in my reading experience, we had the last blue, we had the um, book woman of troublesome Creek 
And so to me, it's beginning to feel like home. I, I love that you brought us there. Um, you're a third generation, I think, in that part of the world. Yes, yes. And Kim Michelle Richardson's, by the way, has a little writing hiding place in Bryson City, North Carolina. The Book Woman. Uh, she's got a she's got a little treehouse that, that she writes uh, she writes in. So I think I think there's you you want to write surrounded by the place. I think that leads to the authenticity of it. So your characters are very real to us and they're very, very real to you. Tell us a little bit about the characters in the story in Outbound Train. So Outbound Train, we have uh, Pearlene, Granny Pearlene Parker. I mentioned her first because we all love her and we kind of want to be her uh, and we might sometimes out you know we act out like her then we have barbara parker who's the mother and she's working in the textile plant the blue jean plant and that's what it was called here it was the blue jean plant because that's primarily what it made and we have carol ann who is third generation and i this is just my lights just coming on uh yeah oh she's third generation too and and she wants out she does not want to live in poverty she's tired of that and you know, the problem is, especially for rural areas and Appalachia, you know, you, you cannot pull yourself up by your bootstraps if you are barefoot. And so Carol is, Carol Ann is trying every way she can to get out of the situation that she's in. So we talked very much about the importance of the characters, the importance of place and you being so deeply rooted in place. So now I want to make the leap it's being translated in French. What is your storytelling, the French people? Oh, my word. So, by the way, you know, not to age myself, but foreign languages were not even offered at Swain High School in the circa where I went. You know, it wasn't even a possibility. Wow. All right. So, I think what the French readers understand is the the battle to overcome poverty and how hard it is for women to overcome poverty. I think that's a worldwide message that it's really not easy being a woman even in 2023. You've got to work hard and and that's what they're really resonating with. And but then when when like the recipe book came out and, and we were working with that, Marie and I were working together. It's like they have the same kind of things growing in the wild that we have in Appalachia. It's just called something else. And, and she would send me an idea and I would send an idea and then we would come to the table and realize it's the same plant. It's just growing in a different, uh, in a different zip code, so to speak. And that was what was so great about it all. I still can't believe it's in Well, I love, and, and many of our listeners might know, not know, so you wrote this amazing book, Out, Outbound Train. It's getting translated into French, which made me think, where is the commonality? And you sh showed us that. But I think what the French are known for are their food. And yet, all of a sudden, now we have the Appalachian cookbook for France. <laughs> when Marie says to me, I want you to write a cookbook, my response was, do you know where you're living? 
Do you understand what you're asking me to do? Because in America, to ask a little bitty girl in, in Bryson City, North Carolina, to write a cookbook that someone in La Française would ever be reading is beyond anything I can imagine. Because I, you want to talk about intimidated. Uh, that was intimidating. And she wanted like six or seven recipes. It's just a companion book that we're feeding into each little chapter. Uh, each character has their favorite food and why, which was fun. And I loved writing that, but I'm like, who am I? I have fried bologna sandwiches. I mean, my <laughs> second nonfiction book was about fried bologna sandwiches for Pete's sake. So uh, it's just crazy. Which I actually love are fried bologna sandwiches. It makes me want to go out and, and have them. I, I wanted to talk a little bit about not your writing, but your entire work as a botanicalist. And because that I think somehow must have tied into the food part. part. Talk about that, please. It's definitely tying into the book that's being shopped right now. Uh, I'm very fortunate. I, I am unworthy of having my grandmother's farm. So my grandmother was widowed at an early age and she's had to tend the land essentially on her own with her, her boys would help. And of course the girls would help, but you know, when they grow up and, and went away, then that was, that was it. So Papa and I bought back almost nine acres of her land my my daughter and my sweet nephew own the land behind it so that's wonderful and and here i am working the same land that was hers and it's it's a holy thing for me it is it's holy and so i decided to turn that into a, a botanical business I grow elderberries. I love it. You know, it's proven health benefit. We can't even argue that anymore. Um, this year I'm doing kits where you can make your own. I do workshops for, where people can come to this holy place. And it's just, I think that helps me be a better writer. I think it helps me be more authentic that people know they can trust me. Uh, I was there this morning. I would show you my hands because they're dirty. I didn't have I've been out there today. I mean, it it's it keeps me grounded. It reminds me that I'm only where I am because the women in my family sacrificed greatly. Oh, I, I love that you said that. Um, you mentioned trust in a couple of sentences already. Is that a key theme for you? I think it is a key theme. Don't we hate it when an author takes us along and we trust them and they take us to the end and they throw us off the ledge or, you know, or the book just goes, what happened? You know, someone comes in that we've never heard of. Uh, I mean, I, I really want to be trusted. And I think that's why I work so hard with the research and, and I agonize over just every little thing that I probably should just let go of. <laughs> let it go, Renee, just let it go. Let it go. Uh you spoke um, recently about your, your book, Outbound Train, and you said to someone, just get through the first chapter. 
And I'm curious about that because we're so, as authors, the first sentence has to be great. The first chapter has to be great. I know in my own writing, I think I probably don't pick up steam until maybe chapter two or three, and that could be a death sentence. So I'd like you to talk about how you know that first chapter can be tough. The first chapter of Outbound Train was so tough, and I actually wrote it as the third chapter. So I, I had something else going on in one and two, and there was a lot of mother-daughter dynamic and conflict that I realized the reader is not going to understand why there's such friction. And so if I'm going to, to take them on this path, I'm going to have to tell them why Barbara is so afraid for Caroline, why she's being so controlling, why, because ultimately Caroline and Barbara want the same thing. And then I think about my mother and, and all mothers, and don't we want the, the same thing for our daughters at the same time? Uh, so I had to write that chapter one, which was, which was painful for me. I cried during it because I didn't want to write it. I mean, I wanted it to be a beautiful thing, um, but sometimes bad things have to happen before we get to the beautiful part. And, um, but I think it is better now. Also, each, cha each chapter had a character title. So Granny Perlene had her own chapters in the beginning, but she was so much fun and taking over. My critique group was, was like, um, we love her, but you're going to have to rein her in. <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to. I want her to run free. <laughs> well, maybe she'll get a, a prequel or a sequel. She's got more to say. I think she does. Even if it's just in a few blog posts, she's got more to say. She's so much fun. Do you miss your characters when I you... do. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? What is wrong with us? <laughs> I do. I do miss them. Um, I, I, I had a lot of fun. I had fun with uh, Doretta, you know, the best friend of, of Carol Ann. They were fun and they were a combination of one of my best friends from Tennessee and Loretta Hannon, who is a, a renowned, beautiful, creative uh, writer and and so their name merged together just perfectly. So I got to bring the both, the best of both with Doreen and Loretta, and they just became Doretta. And they were, she's just unstoppable. I love her. <laughs> I love her so much. I love how much you enjoy your characters. <laughs> you are known for helping fledgling writers. Mm -hmm. So talk about that. Well, we all need help. <laughs> and, and if we think we don't, then I think we're making our path a little bit more uh, difficult than we should. I, I do believe in, in paying forward. I'm a strong believer of critique groups. If you can find someone you trust, please stay with them. Um, you know, be good to your critique partners. You don't have to change everything. You just need someone to bounce things off of. Sometimes no one's going to steal your story. I mean, they're all writing their own individual story. But I do think uh, if if they will listen to me, you know, I don't want to make the same mistakes somebody else has made. I want to learn and I only have a limited amount of time on this earth. So I don't want to invest all of this time and energy into something that is just not going to work. I, I want to listen. 
I'm, I'm easily mentored. And then I, I will share that information readily. Do you do that largely through critique groups? And again, you mentioned the word trust, which I love. And how else, how else do you uh, help fledgling writers? So I do critique groups. Uh, I do that. I still belong to a critique group. I do a lot of workshops uh, and they're, they're fun. I, I tend to learn as much as anyone else at a workshop. I, I have this, this hunger to continually be learning anything. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to learn how to make baskets in January and I'm thrilled. You know, I want to continually be growing. It's good for my brain. It's good for my body to do that. So I, and I filled a lot of emails, a lot of emails from, from people. I don't blurb as much as I used to just because I don't have a lot of time to do that. Are you active on social media? I am active on social media. I'm trying to be a little less active on social media, but I am active on, on social media. I have, I, I don't have, I'm not an Instagram professional. I mean, I really can't figure out how to make that work for me, but I do have Instagram and I have Facebook and I've had a blog and a newsletter since before Substack was even a Substack. So, I mean, it's always something new you have to keep doing. Well, we were talking a little bit in the green room about our author lives. And I think the, the most common question we get asked is, what are you working on now? And at the moment for me, quite candidly, uh, that is a deer in the headlights look for me. Um, and you and I have never spoken before. Uh, what have you got going on now? So I have something going on that's petrifying me. It's been petrifying me for months now um, because I know it's a good story. Therefore, there's that burden coming into me that I've got to have it. I, I, I need to have everything the way it should be. What is fun about the story, and I'm very superstitious. I got that from Terry Kay, uh, is that every time I do research, another character in that timeline comes to me and this is historical fiction this time and so these are real people coming to me and like a, a drill sergeant in the marines came to me a month ago <laughs> and i'm like well okay here we go we've never done this before let's go where are you going to take me because i'm going to follow you except don't yell at me i don't do very well with, <laughs> with violence and yelling but I'll just try to push past it because he's a drill sergeant. He's going to have to yell. <laughs> I'll try not to take it personally. Oh, could you send him my way, please? When you're done with him, you can finish up with him and then send him my way because I could use that drill sergeant oh, at my keyboard. I know. I know. Maybe that's a good idea. After I, I, And I already love him. I, I've not had a chance to get to know him, so to speak. I've printed out the research and... And I already am just like in love with him, how he's he's going to be, and he's the antagonist. He's going to get her where she needs to go. And and I just can't wait to watch it all and document it for everyone to see. That's isn't that fun? What a joy to talk to a writer who is so enthusiastic and so generous of herself as well. Renee, I can't believe our time is over already. Thank you for coming to the storyteller's microphone. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. I hope you come back and we can meet the drill sergeant in person. Absolutely. Won't that be fun? <laughs> It'll be great. This has been a copyrighted episode of The Storytellers by Grace Salmon and Authors on the Air, Global Radio Network. Thanks for being with me. 
That concludes this episode of The Storytellers. I'm so glad you could be part of the story today. I hope you share the stories, tell your own, and come back for another episode. Because when our stories are told, everything changes. I'm Grace Salmon.